Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Bible study tonight, and if you would turn with me in the Word of the Lord to Psalms 139, and then we'll go to the book of Jeremiah chapter 17, and then onward to the book of Acts chapter 8. I apologize for so much reading tonight, but this is Bible study, and so... uh, we're going to look in the word of the Lord. Psalms 139, verse 1, O Lord, thou hast searched me and know me. Thou knowest my downsettings and mine uprisings. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou can passeth my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word, I want you to think about this, in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, whether Shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Continue with verse 23. Search me. This is the second time he talks about this word searched or search. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And lead me in the way everlasting. Powerful verses of Scripture Let's go uh, to Jeremiah 17 and verse 9. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search. There's that word again, the heart. And I try the reins. Seems like that was a word that was used by the psalmist also, trying. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. One more passage of scripture found in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8. This is more of a flesh and blood example of what we're talking about here tonight. In chapter 8 and verse 9, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles And the signs which were done. In verse 18, and when Simon saw through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given 
He offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that whom on or that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps there are the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. He's talking about his heart there, and this seems to be a theme running through these three passages that I read to you. The psalmist said in verse 23 of the 139th Psalm, Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. I simply want to teach for the next little while upon this subject, the searching of the heart. The searching of the heart. Would you lift up your voice with me and let's pray together right now that the Lord would anoint, bless the remainder of this service. Jesus, we need you. We need your blessing, your touch, your help. God, I'm praying, Lord, that you would move in this service. As we endeavor to teach your great word, I pray it find lodging place in every heart. I pray that you would anoint us, you would move upon us, you would bless, you would allow your perfect will and work to be done here. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a hand clap of praise to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And you may be seated. You may wonder why sometimes that we as ministers, uh, we preach and we teach and we talk a lot about the subject of the heart and matters of the heart. But I just want to say right here from the outset that the heart is all you've got to get you to heaven. It is the only vehicle that God can use. It's the only means or method that will transfer you safely to the other side is your heart because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8 blessed are the pure in heart can anybody finish that verse for they shall see for they shall see God I want to see him that's what I'm striving for I've had the Holy Ghost now for right at 40 years and my desire is, is to continue on until Jesus comes because I want to see him. And then in Romans chapter 10 and verse 10, it says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So the scripture tells us in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, To keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it, are the issues of life. If this is what God moves upon, if this is the essence of man, if this is what he touches, if this is what he ministers to, if this is what he uses to deal with us, then I certainly want to guard my heart. There's a lot of things that can enter into the heart of man. There's a lot of things, according to the Word of God, that can happen to the heart of an individual. We're going to deal with some of those here tonight. The Bible talks about people becoming bitter in their heart. It talks about hardness of heart and many other things. But there's one remedy that all of us have, and that is to keep our heart tender before God and to stay sensitive to the things of God and the way that the Lord would move upon us. Jeremiah raises an alarming question concerning the heart. He wrote, who can know it? You, like I have heard people say, maybe even you've said it yourself, 
if I know my heart, if I know my heart, I'm going to plan on doing this. If I know my heart, I intend to do that. And uh, most of us have either heard somebody make that statement, perhaps we've even said it ourselves. But really, that is a pretentious statement because only God knows our heart. Or should I say it this way, only God knows everything and all that is in our heart. That is why the psalmist said, search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Try me. So there's various methods that God uses and areas that, that God deals with us concerning our heart to reveal to us what may be in our heart that needs to be taken care of, that we need to confront, that we need to deal with. And uh, just as in precious metals we understand that, that heat is used to separate or what they call the parting of gold, like gold is placed in a fiery furnace or some type of cauldron. And uh, through the turning up of the temperature, we understand that through this, there's the separation of the impurities and only what is most precious and what is most valuable comes out of it. Lead melts at 621.5 degrees Fahrenheit. Silver, which is a lesser metal than gold, it melts at 1,763 degrees Fahrenheit. But gold, the most precious of metals, melts at 1,948 degrees Fahrenheit. So what I'm saying is this, is the heat, when it's turned up, it causes the lead and the other ores of metal to come out of the most precious, and that is gold. And the Bible talks about us being tried with fire so that we may come out as precious gold. And it tells us in His Word that He's coming back for a glorious church without spot, without blemish, or any such thing. And so God uses these methods. God uses these ways to deal with us, to bring things to the surface, as it were. It may happen in a church service. It may happen in a prayer meeting. It may happen as you, maybe you've done something and had a habit of doing something for a long time. But suddenly the Lord convicts you and begins to deal with you and move upon you. And you no longer feel comfortable doing those things anymore. You no longer feel comfortable saying those words anymore. No longer feel comfortable going to those places anymore. You no longer feel comfortable participating in those activities anymore. And it's often through pressure. It's through hardship. It's through struggle that we discover things about our heart. In fact, even during this pandemic, we've discovered some things about ourselves. Uh, some of us had to face areas of our life uh, and, and ask the Lord to help us, help us to engage more with our prayer life. Maybe it had been a little bit deficient, but through this pandemic, we've gotten back to prayer and we've gotten back to trusting God and we've gotten back to, uh, Lord, I need you to help me with my faith. I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to live in dread. I want to trust you. All of these things happen through the struggle and the pressure that often visits us in situations like this. And these are methods that God uses. The psalmist said, try me. There's nothing like a trial of our faith that causes us to realize areas of deficiency in our walk with God. It reveals things about us that we need to work on. And all of us are in a process of growing in God. All of us 
are uh, endeavoring uh, to be better for him and reach the full potential that he has uh, for us in our life. Every one of us in this place understand the importance of not growing stagnant and our relationship with God just uh, staying in one place, but always and continually progressing and becoming more close to Him and knowing Him in a greater way and allowing Him to correct inconsistencies in our life and deal with us in areas that we need to be dealt with. I don't ever want to court on certain areas of my heart off and say, God, I'm not giving you access to this anymore. This is an area of my life that you have no entry to. This is an area of my life that is hands off. Other areas I'm willing to yield, I'm willing to submit, I'm willing uh, to give all in, but there's certain areas that are just reserved that I, I'm going to continue on having and possessing this attitude or this spirit or I'm not going to give up this certain thing. Oh, if you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to develop somewhere along the way the ability to submit to the Spirit of God when the Holy Ghost moves upon you, when the Spirit of the Lord visits you and deals with you and touches your heart that you respond with yielding to Him and surrendering your heart to Him and saying, God, whatever it is that you desire to do in my life, I want to be more like you. It's my desire to serve you. Amen. You, you ever known people that in their relationship with God, it's, 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 only, it's only reached a certain level and it's only gone so far. Maybe even in your relationship with the Lord, you've discovered that you've been at a certain place for a long time. Well, growth, spiritual growth doesn't work like that. It's so imperative that we push beyond those barriers and say, God, if you're dealing with me in a certain area of my life, I am not going to be one of those that is stubborn. I'm not going to be one of those uh, that is unwilling to yield. Uh, but God, whatever it is that you're dealing with me in, whatever area that you convict me, I'll quickly say yes. I'll quickly yield. Uh, I'll quickly surrender because I want to be saved, first of all. And I know for me to really be fruitful in my relationship with God, it's important that I allow Him to cultivate me and to move upon me and stir me and shake me up every once in a while. Amen. You know, conviction is not just for the sinner. It's not just for the backslider. But conviction is that mechanism that God uses to get all of our attention. Conviction is that mechanism that God uses to prompt us to stay within the guardrails that we need to on this journey so that we can make heaven our home. Hey, as I've said many times before, it'd be a terrible thing for saints of God that have lived for the Lord all of this time to get down to the last lap of the race the very end, amen, where I believe that we are in all of this right now and for some reason lose out, for some reason lose their way, for some reason uh, fall away from God. I need the Lord to continue to deal with me. Amen. Church is not just about all of us just, just coming and, and, and it being comfortable all the time. I do believe that that is part of the ministry of the Holy Ghost is to comfort us. And I do believe that church is a place that we go and we, it's a source of joy to us. And this is a happy place, if you want to say it that way. And this is a place that we find strength and we find uh, comfort. And we, we, we come here and we're blessed and we're encouraged. And we leave here and we feel like we can go a little further and do a little bit more for God. But, but sometimes when we come to the house of God, we un understand through, through being mature saints of God that there might be some areas of my life uh, because I had the propensity in my flesh to drift. I had the propensity in my flesh uh, to get off target. I need the Lord to help me to get back in focus. I need the Lord to help me to get back uh, where I need to be in Him. 
God, deal with me. Deal with me in many ways. Amen. But whatever it takes, whatever you've got to do, I want to be saved. Come on, is that still the gold around here? Is that still the desire of your heart? Come on, let's give some praise to the Lord right now. And so the psalmist, understanding this, said, try me. Amen. The writer said, think it not strange concerning your your trials. Don't don't look at it and say, where does this come from? I must... Uh, this, this this must be the enemy. This this has to be the devil. I'm going to tell you, nothing happens to a child of God by coincidence. Nothing just happens by coincidence. E- either it's a result of our choices and the fruit of what we planted, because whatsoever we sow, that's the law of the harvest. We're going to reap it, or it's a result of God allowing something. In our lives. Because he knows the future. He knows. What's down the trail as it were. He knows what we're going to need tomorrow. And many times. We have to trust him. That you you know what it's going to take. To get me to the other side. You know what it's going to take. For me to make heaven. And whatever it takes for my feet to touch gold. I want to surrender and yield and open up my heart to allow you to do it. Praise God. You know, it's easy for us when we're coming to God. We, we're, we're so sick of sin. We're so sick of the world. Our lives are beat up and bruised and battered. We come to an altar and we need deliverance and so many vices and so many habits and so many addictions and so many problems and things we need God to fix. It's easy at that point to say, God, I totally yield to you. But the challenge sometimes is for us, after we've been walking with God for a while, to say, God, I still yield to you. I still surrender to you. Try me, O Lord. See if there be any wicked way in me. I may not even have knowledge of it right now. There may be something down there in my heart that I'm not aware of. But God, I want you to bring it to the surface. I want you to turn up the temperature so that those inferior substances come out and reveal themselves. Because it would be a shame for that to cause me a problem on down the road and cause me to be lost. I've got to make heaven. And so sometimes we're not even aware of something that is there. But God brings it to our attention through trial. 2 Samuel chapter 21, David began to seek the Lord regarding a famine that had been in Israel for three years. I don't know, you know why some people wait as long as they do to start praying and start seeking God as to what's going on here. But sometimes we're, we're stubborn, sometimes we're hard-headed, and sometimes we endure things a lot longer than we should or that we have to. But David, three years, he, he, he said this famine has been, and what's the reason and the purpose of this? Because they understood that when a famine came upon the land, especially in the Old Testament, it was a result of some type of disobedience to God or displeasure that God had towards them and so what's the reason what's the purpose of this and God spoke to him that it was concerning Saul's treatment his his predecessor's treatment of the Gibeonites and how that he had slew the Gibeonites and so he began to seek for a way to avenge this situation and he asked them what do we got to do to make this right what do we got to do uh, to, to avenge and to make this wrong that was done by Saul right with you and your people. And they told him that they would require seven of the sons of Saul. And so David allowed that to happen. My whole point is, is that it took a famine. It took a trial for him to realize, I need to start searching my heart. And we need to start searching our heart as a country to realize 
What is wrong? What's going on here? What's happening here? Something is awry. Something is not just right. We, we need to deal with this situation. This thing has to be turned around. We need God's blessing back. We need God's favor back. We need God to put his hand of approval on us again. How many has ever felt that way, that God, I, I, I need you to favor me and bless me, and it feels like uh, you've recalled from me for a space of time here. What's going on? Is there something that I need to correct in my life? Long seasons of unanswered prayers, times when you can't feel the anointing of God in ministry, when, when, you, when it seems like The hand of God is not there like it has been in times past. I don't know about you, but I can speak for myself. That causes me to find a place to get alone with God and say, God, search my heart and try me and see if there be any wickedness in me, any sin in me, anything I might not even be aware of. I want you to reveal it. I want it to be brought to the surface because I'll confront it because I want to be used and anointed and blessed of you again come on if you're struggling just to get by it doesn't have to be that way if you're just making it from Sunday to Sunday it doesn't have to be that way if you're just making it amen, from week to week and month to month you say I'm just holding my own it doesn't have to be that way but you can live in the blessings of God you can live in the favor of God you can live amen with God's approval upon your life if you go and say God There's something there. I want to make it right. You know, along with surrender, repentance is not just for the new convert either or the sinner that's coming out of the world. Repentance is good for all of us. It's good to say, God, I repent. And repentance is more than just saying, God, have mercy on me. Repentance is saying, God, I turn my back on that. And I make some conscious decisions and choices to walk away from that. you know God sometimes uses a trial. Jacob went for 22 years down to Laban's house. Or he had interaction with Laban for 22 years. As best as I can tell. And during that period of time. He was subject to some of the very same things that he himself had been guilty of doing to others. You believe that? Manipulation? He had been a manipulator. Guess what? He met the master of manipulation in Laban. Deceit? He had been, his very name meant deceit. He met a master deceiver in Laban. Selfish? Oh, (laughs) he met the king of the selfish people in Laban. Liar? He met it in Laban. You know God brings us into situations and even sometimes puts people in our lives that are a lot like us so that we'll see ourselves. There's nothing that can fix a liar like having to deal with a liar. There's nothing that can fix a person that is a manipulative person like having to deal with someone that is manipulative. If you've been subject of deceit, the subject of deceit, there's nothing like Having to deal with a deceitful person and how that you how that you despise that. And it was after that that Jacob had, as soon as he left Laban's house, he had a Jabok experience. 
And he said, I don't want to be like that no more. I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't want to be that individual anymore. I don't want to I don't want to live like that anymore. And there was a change that came into Jacob's life as a result of having to deal with the very person that he was and confront the very person that he was. Sometimes God sets up a mirror in our life and said, "I want to I want you to look at what you are. I want you to be able to face every day what you are." And when you get sick of that, you'll change when you get sick of that you'll be a different person praise God somebody said well why am I having to deal with this individual why am I having to face this person why is this person in my life why is it I have to work beside that individual and why is it that I have to deal with that person at my place of employment every day well It may be that God is trying to work something out of you. It may be that God is trying to deal with you because it's through the trial of our faith, amen, that he works out some things in our heart, in our life that are unlike him. And we're able to face it and confront it and say, God, I want you to deal with it. I want you to make me a better person. I I don't want to be like that. I can see now the harm that it brings. I can see the limitations that it brings. I can see the curse that it brings upon a person's life and I don't want to be like that and so God now that I've seen an example of what I've been I want to change. I want to be different. I want to I want you to deal with me and help me God to be a different person. Praise God. But That's not the only method that God uses. God also uses Not only trial, but he uses the preaching of his word. You know, none of us will ever graduate from the need of the preaching of the word of God. None of us get to a place of spiritual maturity that we don't need preaching. And it's the man of God that also holds up the mirror of the word of the Lord. So that we can see ourselves and the imperfections that are there. Most of us are aware of the story of Nathan being moved on by the Lord to go and confront David for his sin. And when he arrived and he began to deliver the message, I'm sure that there was a little bit of nervousness and trepidation because there was already one man that was in the grave because of this sin. And so he was willing to do whatever to cover it up. And here Nathan was confronting him. And when he begins to tell him a story that reels him in because he's telling a story about a lamb and this man David had been a shepherd all of his life and he loved lambs, had defended lambs, had fought for lambs. And now this preacher is describing to him a story where there was a man that had slew a lamb that was defenseless. And it made him so enraged that maybe he even stood up. Perhaps he got red in the face and he said, Who is it? Where is he? This man's going to pay. And the prophet said, You're the man. And the word of God sometimes comes to us and God begins to pinpoint things in our lives and begins to deal with us and we begin to see ourselves in the word of God and what we need to do to adjust some things in our lives. And I'm so thankful to read of the response that David had to the word of God. He said, oh, he said, I am. I'm guilty. And he said, God, whatever you got to do, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. God, help me, clean me, wash me, purify me. Create in me, listen to what he said, a clean heart and a right spirit. I'm going to tell you, before you can have a right spirit, you got to have a clean heart. 
Oh, some of us trying to work on having the right attitude and the right this. And I don't care how many books you read. I don't care how many self-help seminars you go to. You're not ever going to have a right spirit and a right attitude if you don't have a clean heart. Amen. You might be able to deceive people for a while, but you'll never be able to deceive folks over the long haul. To have a right spirit, you've got to have a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. Hebrews 4 and 12. Well, let's, let's just turn over there and read that. Hebrews 4 and 12. Bible talks to us about how the Word of God finds us. Do you know that this Word of God can discover right where you are and what, what you need? The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. I'm talking about it gets down into the precision of things. The soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. In other words, it doesn't just read the actions. It doesn't just go on what we've already committed or done. It doesn't have to work looking backwards. But this Bible tells me that if I'll adhere to the preaching of the Word of God, it can save me from making a lot of mistakes. It can catch me before I fall. It can head it off before it ever becomes a bad choice. It can help me before I ever get involved in that situation. If I hear the Word of God, it'll it'll come to me and, and it'll deal with me before the temptation ever comes. And so that when I walk through that trial or when I walk through that situation, I'll be strong enough to make the right choice because the Word of God has already spoken to me. Because God knows knows what tomorrow holds. That's why every service counts. That's why every Bible study counts. That's why you can't afford uh, to, to just be disconnected and, 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 and just, just whatever, whatever, and, and lackadaisical and what have you about the church and about church services. Uh, I'm going to tell you it's important that we be able to connect with the Word of God when it's preached, that we be able to receive the Word of God as it's preached. There's something about the anointing when it goes forth that you can't get any other way. It's through the preaching of the Word of God. God is bolstering me against things that are down the road. God is strengthening me and helping me and giving me the right spiritual nutrients. So I have the strength to bear up under the pressure, under the load, or whatever it is that I face. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and thank God for His Word and the preaching of His Word. Praise God. And then, of course, He reveals things in our heart through His Spirit. I've already sort of jumped ahead of myself, but what I'm talking about here, Romans 8 chapter talks about being led of the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust or the desires of the flesh. To be Spirit-led is to be surrendered to the Spirit and also be willing to allow the Spirit to deal with you and convict you at times. The Bible talks about us not quenching the Spirit. In other words, not being un, uh, that, that's an unwillingness to be led by it. God is dealing with us. God is moving on us. God is trying to guide our lives and direct us around danger. And we shut that off. Amen? I don't want to ever shut the moving of the Spirit off. And our senses can be dulled if we're not extremely careful, especially in the world we're living in today. Just because you don't feel convicted about it anymore doesn't mean that God has changed his mind about it. Sometimes it's just a small check in the spirit that you feel. And it's such a 
gentle thing. And it's such a, say, precious and valuable thing that if you just turn that off, you'll not feel that like you used to feel it. Your senses have become dull to it. You remember when you first received the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost? You, you, this was such a precious thing. You didn't want to do anything to grieve it. You didn't want to do anything to lose this experience. Matter of fact, you wanted to be renewed in it every opportunity that you had. And I'm going to tell you, that's the key right there, being renewed in the Holy Ghost. But sometimes in situations, we just feel. Matter of fact, I had a, a, a situation just in the last few days that, not a sinful situation at all, but it's just a situation that I just didn't feel comfortable with. Didn't feel comfortable my integrity being involved with that. And again, not a not anything contrary to the word of God necessarily, but just just didn't feel right. Didn't have a right feeling. And the more I prayed, and the more I opened my heart to the Lord speaking to me about it, the the more I just just uh, just there wasn't a right feeling. I'm going to tell you, we've got to begin to listen to that. Amen. And let me just go a step further with this. There may be ways that God deals with you personally that are not just church convictions, so to speak. In other words, it may go beyond what this church teaches, but God knows your frame, the Bible says. So he knows your propensities. He knows your weaknesses. He knows you better than you know yourself. And so, used to, we heard a lot about personal convictions. Well, I just got to pray. That's not a church deal. The pastor doesn't mandate that. The Word of God is not explicit on that. But it's just something that I have felt would be best for me. And I'm not putting that on anybody else. But this, now we understand there's certain things that are just blanket and that's it. And there's no argument on it. But I'm talking about areas that you just feel like I know I know people for instance because they were such gamblers I'm just using this as a broad example this was a lot of people me uh, back years ago played with dice and all this kind of stuff and they gambled with it that they just didn't feel comfortable picking that back up again well that seems like a far extreme for you and I but but that wasn't you know you mean you're not going to play Yahtzee well, I just got a personal conviction about the dice. Instead of making fun of that, we ought to regard that person's landmark and say, you know what? I appreciate the fact that you're sensitive to that, and I'm not going to do anything to be a stumbling block to you because I realize the value of personal convictions. Amen? And being respectful for people's personal convictions. Because God is using that because he knows them. And so he deals with them. And they, they don't want to go back to that. They don't want to go back to that lifestyle. And there's many other things that we could talk about. But, but suffice it to say that God deals with you. Don't turn that off. Don't just immediately push that aside. But let the Lord continue to develop that in your life. And sometimes it can be so gentle that if you just are not careful, you can push right past it. Because if you're expecting to, the Lord to put you in a half Nelson and make you do every little thing, it's not going to happen. He wants people that serve him, first of all, by choice and are submitted to him and are open to him saying, God, I... I want to live for you and please you. And it starts with our heart being right before God. Second Chronicles 18, Jehoshaphat and Ahab had kind of joined together and they were going to go to battle in Ramoth-Gilead. 
And they said, we got to hear some preaching before we go to battle. So Ahab kind of had all this lined up and said, well, I know, I know some preachers. He brought 400 prophets in there, and one by one. That's, that's quite a bit of preaching. Some of you guys think I go a long time. 400 prophets. And when they got all said and done, Josephus said, something don't ring right with this. Something's not true about this. Do you have another? He said, well, there is one more, Micaiah. But I don't like him. Matter of fact, he uses stronger words than that. He said, I hate him. He said, because he's never told me a good prophecy. He's never made me feel good about myself. Micaiah didn't know that was the job of the prophet, to make him feel good all the time. Ahab, if you would walk according to the word of God, you'd feel good about yourself. But you don't feel good because you're under conviction, because you're rebelling against God. And so he, he came and preached and said directly opposite of what the 400 had said. I'm going to tell you sometimes God's people got to swim upstream. God's people have got to be willing to stand out in the crowd. God's people, when everybody else is in upheaval, when everybody else is going crazy around this globe, when everybody else is confused uh, about things that they shouldn't be confused about, when everybody else, uh, amen, is, is, is involved in stuff uh, that they shouldn't be involved in out there. I'm going to tell you, we realize and we understand and we know that we're standing for truth. We're not standing for a political party. We're not standing for any of that. We're standing for truth and righteousness. And if we'll do so, God will bless and God will honor. Amen. And I've come too far in this journey to start trying to go with the flow or the current of things. I want to stay with the Word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. He said, it's, it just doesn't feel right to me. I've been in situations that just didn't feel right. And that is exactly what the apostle is saying here in Acts chapter 8 to Simon. He said, your heart isn't right. Your desire to do something, it may have seemed like on the surface it was a real thing. It was a real deal. But Simon, we see now that you're trying to use it for your own benefit. And you've got the gall of bitterness, and that's what's motivating you. And your heart isn't right. You need to pray that God would forgive and forgive the matter that is in your heart that isn't right before him. Isn't that what he said? And you need to pray that God would give you a genuineness and a desire to totally yield and surrender to him. Folks, we've got to stay tender-hearted towards God. Jesus gave the example of Moses in Matthew 19. He said, because of the hardness of your heart, there was a decree, there was an edict that was written. In other words, you, you, you guys just kept on bombarding Moses until he said finally, all right, all right, all right, I, 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 give, you, I give you an edict here. I'll, I'll, I'll overstep the law here and I'll let you do this because of the hardness of your heart. Because of the hardness of your heart. I don't want to let my heart. The Bible tells us the book of Hebrews to not let our heart be hardened as in the day of provocation. When God was getting ready to fulfill his promise and bless his people, they allowed their heart to be hardened and calloused. Help me to have a tender heart. You know, people in this day that we're living in, you know, if it was me, I would look around and I would see all these situations and, I mean, to hurricanes in the Gulf, a global pandemic going on, people rioting in all of our major cities, chaos everywhere, politically, economically, every which way you turn. I mean, you know, if you know anything about the church, you'd think, my goodness, it's time to get right with God. It's time to find the church. It's time to get in, in this thing. 
But you know, I was reading in the book of Revelation, chapter 16, verses 10 and 11, and it was 10 through 11, it was talking about tribulation and the horrors and the torments and, and the agony. And the Bible says that still their hearts were so hardened that they repented not for the deeds that they the things that they were involved they repented not for their deeds people that God was trying to give an opportunity to trying to give a chance to have turned their back on God to the point that even when tribulation come at the you know, after there's really no more hope, they, you, you would think that people would, would, would turn and even beg God for mercy and beg God that he would give them an opportunity to repent, beg God that he, he would give them an opportunity to be saved. But the Bible says that they repented not for their deeds because their hearts were so hardened. God, I want to keep a tender heart before you. I want to keep my heart pliable. I want to keep my heart right with God. I want you to search my heart, Lord. Would you lift up your hands with me right now? Search my heart, Lord. Deal with my heart. Stir my soul. Let's stand to our feet right now. I love you, Jesus. Keep my heart pure before you and whole before you and righteous before you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I praise your beautiful name, God. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we come down here before we leave and lift up our hands and our voices to the Lord and say, God, I want my heart to be right above all. God, that's the thing that I'm responsible of. That's the thing that you told me to guard because out of it all the issues of life flow. God help me Lord Jesus. God help me right now. To allow you to search my heart. Try the reins of my heart. God I want to be right. I want my heart to be pure. You said the pure in heart are going to see you. The pure in heart are going to make it to heaven. The pure in heart are going to be rewarded.